Welcome to this Helicopter Investor Town Hall with me, Mike Stones from Helicopter Investor. Or perhaps I should say, Willkommen meine Damen und Herren, because this town hall, kindly sponsored and hosted by AeroAsset, begins with an interview with Dr. Frank Liemand, show director of European Rotors, the event which took place in Cologne last week. And after this tasty appetizer, we move on to your main course, which is the EMS market, the landscape, complexities and challenges. And after visiting European Rotors last week to host three helicopter finance forums, hashtag watch out on Helicopter Investor for full reports, I'm looking forward to learning more about the HEMS market. Specifically, are mission critical HEMS flights recession proof or at least recession insulated? And have changes mandated by the US government uh, in terms of payment changing the profitability of the sector? To supply answers and much, much more, Please welcome your host, fresh from European Rotors himself, Emmanuel Dupuy, President Aero Asset. Emmanuel, danke schön. Vielen Dank, uh, Mike, and thank you very much. And a very warm welcome to all in attendance. I'm President of Aero Asset and delighted to host this Heli Investor Town Hall focused on the HEMS market. We will be joined by some uh, great speakers today. Uh, Camille Brunel, partner uh, at Rive Private Investment, will give us the benefit of his insight into the current macroeconomic climate and uh, impact on HMS sector. Tom Judge, Executive Director, Life Flight of Maine and CEO of Life Flight Aviation Services, alongside uh, Gemma Martin del Burgo, Sales and uh, Business Development Director, Babcock Spain and Portugal, will provide the HMS operator's view. Thomas uh, Redder, VP International Sales at Spectrum, Aeromed, and Aachen uh, Tor, uh, Product Manager at Bucher Group, will give us a first-hand view of the HMS interior market dynamics. William Sturm will enlighten us on the pre-owned EMS market. But first, I'm delighted to introduce uh, Dr. Frank Liemant, Show Director uh, of European Rotors, to tell us about how the show went in Cologne uh, last week. And Frank is coming on. There, there I am. There I am. You see. So good afternoon, uh, everybody. Actually, I'm delighted. Uh, if uh, German becomes the leading uh, language in Europe, that will be uh, encourage or uh, profit my situation a lot. Actually, I wanted to show you a nice background here because I'm working with a real screen screen. Um, um, you can't see that actually really. It's the church um, in um, on the castle of Madrid because this is our new key visual. Because, uh, Mike, you could have also introduced me by Ola because next year we're going to Madrid. And that was actually the starting point of European Rotors. Um, again, first and foremost, a big, big thank you to, to all of you who have made this uh, show I think an, a really an, an exciting place and, and really the go-to event in Europe for all the retail business. That counts for Aero Asset, that counts uh, for Helicopter Investor supporting us with uh, a fantastic panel on, on finance issues and so on and so forth. Yeah, some maybe some, some basic figures. Um, as I mentioned, um, we, we really are not a big mouse to say we are already now established the, the second biggest VTOL show uh, in the world. Uh, we brought together about 211 exhibitors. We had more than 4,000 or around 4,000 uh, visitors over the three days. And um, 
my feedback was sorry to say exceptionally good um, um we really i think we really um hit the market with something we needed uh because it's the the whole thing behind it that it's organized by eha easa and that means we bring together the associations the national authorities the rule makers the national associations to create an exceptional event a real networking event, but also we are a little bit of a family business. I still strongly believe in that. And with the ASA Symposium, we have the engineers with us. So I think what we are able to deliver is the right quality of talks for you to meet in person people, to really have the chats on on business and also to get latest information on, on what's in, in, in the future. All surrounded by a great educational program uh, which consists about, I think, 140 speakers. We have three stages. We have meeting rooms, which are now more and more used also by companies to have some private uh, talks with their customers all happening at the same time. So we were able actually to have the full conference center booked with events. We had a career day as event in the event uh, for us, what was very, very well attended as well, because we're all about talents for the next generation. We had a women in aviation panel. We had our Rotathon, our uh, little tournament with students gathering about an issue and trying to be the winner on, on, on a things given or a challenge given by their godfather. So there are little, little, many, many, many jewels representing this great um, VTOL business. And I can't actually wait to see you in Madrid from the 28th to the 30th of uh, November next year. I know that William especially is happy about that <laughs> and yeah. all the others as well. But uh, before that, we're going to have great opportunities to meet again in person. Uh, first hit for us will be uh, in March over Haley Expo. We're going to have a sales lounge there um, in, in Atlanta. Uh, I do hope actually that we will meet again also a helicopter investor because I think it's a very, very real partnership between the two institutions and then and so on forth going and I think that's it. If you have any questions afterward, um, I'm happy to answer them in the chat. And I, again, I'm very, very thankful that you are giving me also here the opportunity to have a little of a recap what has happened over this year's show. Well, we, we're really glad you could give us the debrief, um, Frank. And uh, yeah, Aero Asset was exhibiting at the show last week. And I can echo the general sentiment that the show was just an amazing success. I mean, not only in terms of organization and attendance, but also in terms of vibration. And by that, I mean mm -hmm. good vibrations. So thank you for that um, as well. And just one little point. Could, could you explain maybe the connection with HAI? Uh, we could obviously yeah. feel their presence. Yeah. So, we, I mean, we started the whole thing off in 2019, um, planning the project, and we needed a substantial a partner, and that was Messe Friedrichshafen. So Messe Friedrichshafen um, just supported us because EHA is not used in, in doing trade shows, as you may foresee or may imagine, and, and neither EASA has done that. So we needed a strong partner. Messe Friedrichshafen has a good, or had a good footprint in doing Air shows with Aero Friedrichshafen um, at their event. 
and we were delighted to have them on board um, until 2021, the edition. Then they had a new, um, they had a joint venture with Fairnamic then and the outcome, which was uh, created between Messe Friedrichshafen and Messe Frankfurt. And actually Fairnamic took the decision to concentrate on in-house events and not being able then to support us in, in doing uh, uh, European Rotor. So we had actually to look for a new partner. And as EHA and HAI already had um, come up with the news on the 2021 edition to say, we're going to cooperate on more uh, uh, um, topics, uh, the idea raised that we say, okay, then HAI could help us with their great experience to to um, be the service provider for European rotors, and that's what happened. So uh, HAI works as the service provider in many fields now for European rotors. It remains as the brand is owned by EHA and Deaza, and again, HAI team is greatly supporting us in putting the show together. Th thanks, Frank, and Frank, thanks again for a great show, a great uh, great vibes, uh, Dr. Frank Lehman from yeah. European Rotors. Thank you very much. And now I'm delighted to um, introduce, uh, to discuss the state of funding uh, in the AMS sector, Camille Brunel, uh, partner at Rive Private Investment. Camille really needs no introduction. How, how are you? Uh, good, good. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Emmanuel. And thank you for uh, inviting me to, to join this uh, town, town hall. I'm, I'm really delighted to, to be there. Well, we're, we're lucky to have you, um, uh, and we look forward to uh, a very bright segment uh, on the euro economy, the uh, imp impact of the macro economy on uh, EMS um, uh, and demand for EMS services. Uh, maybe we focus principally on Europe. I, I will let, uh, let that to your, to your attention. Could we start off maybe by you telling us Enlightening us uh, in uh, in terms of your view on the euro uh, economy um, all the way uh, through 2023 would be great. Okay, I, I'm not sure I will uh, enlighten anyone with uh, my macroeconomic skills, and especially because there's uh, some unanimity about uh, uh, what will be the economic climate uh, next year in Europe. Uh, it's a very short-term projection. What, what we all see is, uh, is really obvious is still a high level of inflation, high level of uh, interest rates, uh, probably still uh, still an increase uh, to come. Um, and so everyone is uh, anticipating an, an economic slowdown, if not uh, a crisis, and on the back of multiple crises that are uh, uh, um, happening at the same time. Uh, first of all, obviously, the energy crisis, uh, which is, by sense, a tax on, on the economy uh, that we are suffering, uh, but also a security crisis uh, at the borders of uh, uh, Europe. Europe. Um, so also economic crisis linked to inflation, interest rate, and so on. Uh, and also still, uh, on the long term, we have like this fight against uh, uh, or with climate change, so we will have to invest a lot of money. It's, it's a burden on, on the economy as well. So uh, if you're taking that into account uh, and what we see for the past six months in terms of credit uh, and capital markets tightening, yeah, 2023 is, is not really pink. It's a lot of challenges. It's not like expecting, we are not expecting big crisis, but still it will be obviously difficult uh, with a lot of challenges. 
in your view, I mean, what's the likelihood we go into a recession uh, if you had to put a percentage on it uh, next next year? Uh, probably more than 50%. <laughs> 50, yeah. 5-0. Yeah, no, but probably, I would be like, I don't know, it's, uh, overall the recession, well, I don't know, 60%. That's, that's, that's a guess. Let's see. Uh, I don't hope for that, obviously, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, bad signals, uh, challenges, and uh, um, yeah, the addition of crisis is actually very difficult to tackle uh, for uh, the ECB and uh, the various uh, European states. So I'd like to see get your view on, on how you think that will impact uh, the HMS market, principally in Europe, um, but also beyond uh, Europe, if you want to address that. Um, And also, maybe you can tell us about how uh, Rive is um, uh, bracing uh, for this uh, this uh, change in the in the economy. Mm. Um, maybe I mean the first thing. It's also a question for operators. It's uh, what would uh, what about uh, the business in in the hems sector for operators? Uh, and part of that is. What can expect? Can we expect in terms of investments? Um, uh, clearly, uh, health is still uh, a priority in Europe. Uh, this is a wealthier uh, region as a whole with disparities, but still, it's it's rather wealthy. And health is the second budget in, in Europe. Um, so clearly, the states on the long term will continue invest uh, uh, in in health, uh, in helicopters and and, and aircraft. Um, they will have to renew some of their existing fleet. Um, and some, especially in Eastern Europe, some countries will have to expand their HEMS organization, their HEMS system. Um, and they are still willing to do so. Uh, we see a lot of RFP, RFP uh, going on. Um, so we, we see some strong needs, clearly, uh, because we are uh, those needs are backed by a very long-term demand. Um, the question is... Uh, Today, in the very short term, uh, can the European states afford to pay for those services and to invest more and continue to develop uh, 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 those uh, systems? And, and clearly, that's a big question. Um, and it's usually linked uh, to uh, the available budget uh, for that. Um, if we take the Western countries, uh, first, uh, costs will increase anyway. Uh, inflation costs on wages on pil for pilots, for uh, uh, technicians, um, uh, energy costs, uh, fuel costs. Um, so the, just the cost of operating hems uh, in, in Europe will increase and it will be, uh, it, it will be eating part of the budget, uh, more than expected. Uh, that, that, that's the first thing. Um, and the second thing, I think, uh, especially for Eastern Europe, um, Uh, unfortunately, with the war in Ukraine, uh, what we are seeing, uh, first for uh, countries like Poland or Czech Republic or Hungary, but also for Germany, is that the European states are starting to spend more and more, more money on army budgets. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really a historical change. Uh, they have not done so for the past 20 years, especially in Western Europe. Um, and it was not expected. And clearly, uh, those budgets uh, for, for, for defense will get a priority. For how long, we don't know, but usually it's when you start a cycle like that, it's at least for five to 10 years. And um, uh, those budgets will eat 
uh, or will limit the capacities of, of the various states uh, in other areas. So the, the states will have to do choices. Will uh, give a priority to the, their HEMS organization? It's, it's a question. It's probably a question first for the operators and in the second time for us as equity uh, equity investor. Um, so, but that's that's a big question mark I have, uh, especially for the, the short term. And on top of that, uh, especially in Western Europe, the states have spent so much money on uh, uh, providing like a, a shield, an economic shield against energy uh, prices. Uh, so they have spent a, a billions of euro just in, in subsidies to the consumers and, and probably now to the corporates. And this money will not be used for 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 health system for transition uh, for environmental transition it's 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 not an infinite sum of money that is available so that's that's a big challenge i see uh, in the very short term for the, the next three years um and, and the question is how how to how do we see us uh, uh, our role uh, to do that on top of that is um so we see probably less investment opportunities in eastern europe than we were expecting two years ago three years ago um Maybe it will be it will link to decisions to say okay uh, we don't invest in brand new helicopters as much or as fast as we were expecting. Uh, maybe it will be more opportunities for second hand helicopters in some countries than we were expecting. Uh, contrary to the trends we saw for the past few years, where uh, the states were moving away from old platforms to new platforms. Uh, maybe it will slow down this uh, change. Maybe it will, yeah, for the pre-owned market, it will be something good. Uh, it, it remains to be seen. It's at this stage only uh, a question from 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 me. Um, and if you add that uh, to the, the constraint we see on the financing side, uh, the availability of of debts, uh, yeah, it's a second challenge because what we see for the past six months and it will continue. It's uh, um, a tightening in financing conditions, lower LTVs, lower, uh, uh, higher amortization rates, um, uh, increase in credit margin, and obviously increase in interest rates. So the cost of financing uh, will be uh, more and more expensive for us, but indirectly for the operators and for the states uh, that are uh, uh, using those helicopters. Um, and so from our point of view is, yeah, what, are we expecting clearly first probably a, a slowdown in terms of investment probably um, but we also think it's an opportunity for uh, people providing leasing solutions is that in a time where uh, brand new helicopters cost uh, price will increase due to inflation more than ever uh, and, and financing constraints on the state budgets uh, maybe leasing is, uh, and in a way that is can be uh, smart, uh, uh, is uh, can bring some some hair, some help uh, to sustain uh, the investment uh, in, in in Europe. You, thanks, Kimi. And look, I mean, you guys are a major actor in the EMS market. You're Maybe you can remind us how big your EMS portfolio is, but obviously you're one of the major operating lessor in the HEMS space um, in Europe and, and beyond. And um, and so if this is a zero-sum game between military and, and civil, um, I mean, what, what can the HEMS industry do to help uh, push their cause 
uh, Ford and uh, maybe you know lighten the the impact um, uh, of the next uh, of the next year if indeed that's uh, the the budget constraints are going to uh, to to hit the uh, uh, the purchase of new uh, new assets. I mean, I I noted about the your point about the pre-owned market. I think that's very interesting. Or do, do you are there actions as an EMS as the EMS industry? Are there actions that uh, you think the major players in the industry should be taking uh, to try to soften the impact of uh, what's coming? Uh, it's maybe it's also, I mean it's only ideas, uh, but I think the role of uh, uh, the manufacturers and the lessors is yeah to provide uh, some let's say flexible solutions, not just selling brand new assets uh, uh, with a nice financing over uh, over ten years and that's it. Um, maybe we we could. Uh, have more uh, investment in terms of uh, uh, extending the life of some assets or improving existing assets. Retrof the, the retrofit might be a solution. I don't know. It, it has to be economically viable, huh, obviously, but it might be a solution uh, and it might be interesting for, for the manufacturers uh, because they are actually doing that. Uh, we, we have discussions with uh, some manufacturers to... Um, not, not recycle, but uh, upgrade some existing uh, assets uh, to extend their useful life and to make them suitable for, for uh, this kind of operations or other. So it can be an alternative. It, it won't, uh, but the market still need brand new helicopters. You need a flow, a regular flow of brand new helicopters to replace uh, uh, the oldest one um, to uh, because they will be also more efficient uh, in terms of fuel consumption. It, it's important uh, so that the industry takes its uh, share in the, the, the fight against climate change. Uh, but maybe it will be slowed on it in a way just to also improve the existing fleet and and say okay maybe uh, yeah your budget uh, you you would rather buy a, a, a brand new helicopter that's obviously super nice, but uh, maybe it's more reasonable in the short term just to start leasing uh, a not to hold a, a, a pre-owned helicopter. Uh, but uh, that is up to date in terms, I don't know, avionics, engines, uh, uh, interior, etc. That's an idea. Second, uh, second idea is yeah to to convince people that uh, I mean through this cycle or moment. Uh, we need to bring capital to this market because in the long term, uh, it's necessary, it's useful. We need, uh, uh, hopefully, I mean, I'm living in Europe, I'm happy to live in, in countries where we have such a great uh, HEMS system uh, uh, that's extending uh, as a life of people, that's saving lives. That's really, really valuable. And we need to continue invest despite the challenges, economic challenges, etc. So we need to convince banks, uh, debt funds, equity providers that it, in the long term it's interesting to invest uh, in such uh, assets um, yeah they retain a lot of value because they are useful um, and especially if we are able to uh, let's say uh, put more value into the retrofit of assets yeah that that might be a, 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 yeah, an alternative way to, to sustain the market well amidst uh, uh, sort of a gloomy uh, outlook. I like your positivis positivism, and uh, obviously the yeah. the sun is shining in uh, uh, Rive. Yeah, it's uh, in Paris, it's uh, it's almost a summer in Paris now. Uh, so that's that's amazing. <laughs> um, Camille Brunel, thank you very much for joining, 
and giving us uh, your very interesting insight. Um, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Emmanuel. Thank you. And uh, to give us their view of the EMS ops uh, operations market from both sides of the Atlantic, uh, Gemma Martin del Burgo, Sales and Business Development Director, Babcock Spain and Portugal, and Tom Judge, Executive Director, Life Flight of Maine and CEO of Life Flight Aviation Services. Welcome. Very, Thank you. very nice to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Emmanuel. Um, so uh, you are both very important actors in the HEMS market. I think your viewpoints are going to differ a little bit because you're both in, in two different regions and that will be interesting to, to see the divergence in, in viewpoint. But um, ladies first, if you don't mind, Tom, Emma, <laughs> um, no can, you please, Absolutely. can you please give us um, the view from your prism Uh, on the uh, EMS market in Europe, principally. Okay, thank you, Manuel. Thank you very much for inviting me, okay, for this session. I think uh, it will be very interesting. And thank you, Thomas, for, for giving me the, the, the first turn. Okay, it's so regarding uh, the, the European vision, okay, from my side and, and taking into account there are different scenarios, okay, when, when we speak from a Western Europe of Eastern Europe, okay, because there are big differences between countries. But in, in general, uh, within an overview, okay, the, the European Air Ambulance Services market size was valued around five uh, billion uh, dollars, US dollars, okay, in 2020. And it is expected, okay, to, to expand in an annual growth rate of 8.2%, okay, from 2021 to 2028. So um, we hope that uh, the EMS the market uh, will continue growing, the, the rising. Um, it is true that, uh, okay, we have a, a, a population, a big population, okay, with a a healthy okay uh, life with healthiest st style of life but it is true that uh, it is increasing and prevalent Uh, chronic disorders, um, geriatric population is increasing because of our long life okay and uh, those uh, if, if we merge that with uh, with the technology technological advancement um, Those factors, okay, are, are driving the market just to, to grow, okay, yes, just to have a, a, a clear view. Uh, it is true that uh, during the pandemic and the lockdown, uh, the EMS markets, as every every industry, every market, and every every service uh, ha, had a direct impact, okay. Uh, but we are recovering in a, a, a we recover okay the, the 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 same level of the service very quickly after the lockdown so uh, i think the prism it is a, a, a clear need okay of the of the service the m service is is uh, uh, growing and we expect a, a big growth in the in the next years and even in those countries in in which um, there is no real uh, full service for for EMS that mm, the most countries in Europe have a, 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 an EMS service okay in, in different mm, in different ways or with different resources okay but it is true that uh, it is a, a key a key services that we have to to push for okay 
I don't know, Thomas, in the other side of the ocean, how, how do you see and how it is working now? But um, here, okay, it is clear that it is a, a, a key market to explore and to, to push for. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. So I, I think that while, you know, at the end of the day, everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time. Everybody bleeds to death in the same way. Everybody has atelectasis in the same way, no matter where you are in the world. And so, you know, that's really what needs to drive all of this, of, of this is the need in the population. I think on the, on the U.S. side and probably Canada, you know, as well, certainly the North American market, we're in a period of, of challenges, opportunities, and a lot of disruption. I think that we need to think about this when we're talking about helicopters. We need to change our prism to start thinking about things that take off vertically, right? So that, that we're going to begin to see a very rapid change between what happens in rural areas and what happens in urban areas because of the needs are going to be different, that the energy needs to moving to electric uh, aircraft in urban areas to reduce noise, reduce carbon, uh, reduce footprints, um, much more uh, efficient. But in a rural area, they're not going to have the energy, you know, base to travel long distances. And so we're also seeing this difference between what is a transportation mechanism and what is a delivery of medicine at the point of need. So that as we begin to think about moving more and more medical technology to the point of need, the opportunity to make investments based on really thinking about cost effectiveness strategies in healthcare, you know, how do we improve qualities, the quality adjusted life years, use those as a comparison of other strategies and therapies in healthcare. So I, I think this is going to be a very exciting time, a very disrupted time. It's a pretty mature market, probably in many places, too many helicopters, other places, maybe not. But it's going to be a very differing look here over the next five, 10 years as technology moves ahead and we really line up technology with, with clinical need. You're on mute there, Emmanuel. Yeah, you're on mute, Emmanuel. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. What, uh, Hema, what, um, uh, I mean, what growth opportunities do you see? Uh, uh, moving forward, uh, you know, in uh, end of 2022 through 2023, 2024, beyond. Um, yeah, but can you touch on that? Thank you. Yes. Okay. There, as uh, I said before, there are there are still possibilities for for growth and developed the EMS services in in different countries in Europe. Uh, most of the countries, uh, in a greater or lesser extent. Uh, have medical air service, both fixed and rotary wing. But um, there are still some some countries, especially in, in Eastern Europe, where the system uh, is is still scarce or, or doesn't exist. So, uh, in relation to to these countries, okay, we have great opportunities to launch services, okay, in the coming years, and even to reinforce the the, the current services, even uh, from from Spain, Portugal, France, uh, and UK. We are working on, on those on those countries just to to add. To, to help uh, uh, the, the governments or regional administrations yeah, to launch different projects. So 
in the relation in, in relation to the rest of the countries where the, the services uh, exist okay there is a uh, still long way to to increase the resources uh, and reduce even the the isochromes of, of action okay because to operate uh, within uh, we call the the golden hour okay just just to 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 give the the patients the the best services to provide um, for example, Germany is, is one of the most advanced, advanced countries in terms of number of helicopters per coverage area, providing response times uh, less than 15 minutes. But for example, in Spain or, or in Portugal, uh, there are regions that the resource uh, covers uh, bigger areas. Okay, So I, I think we have... Uh, uh, a, a big and important task just to educate customers uh, and to give the, the the real vision of the assistance to the to the patients and to the population uh, to our uh, governments just to increase the number of resources okay because we we need to to reduce the the, the, the response time and the action uh, coverage in areas okay and and I think this is a key and uh, very important just to 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 get in in, in in the growth of, of this market, um, another another possibility to grow, and I think that most of the customers are working on that, is the twenty four hours uh, service. Okay, because I know, for example, in in Central Europe, there are a lot of services that operate twenty four hours uh, in the, with night flight, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't happen in France, in Spain, Portugal, and Italy. Okay, there are um, few services to that operates. 24 hours, but uh, every day customers are um, trying to uh, to invest and to to put into the service this kind of services. But uh, there are a lot of things to do, okay? Because it's not uh, uh, operators are prepared, the aircrafts are prepared, okay? Because all the OEMs uh, every day has very uh, most advanced technologies and avionics in, in, inside the, the helicopters and the aircrafts. Pilots are trained. We have every day more sophisticated electromedicine uh, just to, 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 to carry on the aircrafts to provide the better services to, to the patients. But there is another part that is, is the infrastructure, okay, mm, that it is key, okay, just to, to perform the, the operations because mm, uh, the LE, LE pads uh, certification process, uh, both from under EASA regulations or, or the local regulations of, of each country are very slow and tedious, okay, <laughs> but are necessary uh, to operate. So I think it's one of the challenges uh, for, for everybody to, to push, okay, to, to collaborate between the different parts and between the different countries to move towards this type, okay, to of more sophisticated flights uh, as soon as possible. Yeah. I would I would echo that. I think that the growth opportunities are a, uh, you know, operators who are incredibly cost efficient. If you're not cost efficient, you you have no growth opportunity at this point because the the payment, the money side, is not going to get larger. I think the 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 second you know what you know, maybe three or four strategies here real quickly. The second is is because is the idea of a hundred percent reliability. 24, 365, that if you're going to do this, you have to, you know, if the promise is we will come, and that's a very profound promise from the emergency care system, if you call us, we'll come, you actually have to show up. 
And so the 100% reliable, that's going to require new technologies, 24, 365. Um, the idea of a substitution model, that as we, especially in our rural areas, that we begin to think of replacing brick and mortar uh, healthcare places with uh, in immediate delivery, on-time delivery for emergency unscheduled events with very high technology at the point of need. Um, our colleagues in Norway, in, in Australia, looking at putting CAT scanners in helicopters, other new technologies to, to define stroke, really changing stroke in rural areas. Stroke, I do this as a clinician, stroke is the single biggest cost of the healthcare worldwide, 34% of every healthcare you know, unit, dollar, however you want to do it, is spent on stroke. And if we can diminish the effect of that, that becomes really important. So then the next piece, and this becomes the education piece, is getting people to understand what are the trade-offs and cost efficiency and effectiveness. So if we have a system that will improve quality-adjusted life years at this cost, as opposed to a system that'll do it at a much higher cost, we will get investment in that new system. And we're certainly of the belief that we can deliver those kinds of things at the point of need in a much more cost-effective way than we do today with bricks and mortar. So for example, that you know, a helicopter, maybe a staffed helicopter, if it's 100% reliable, is equal to the staffed ground ambulance of nine ground ambulances. Some colleagues in, in, Southern, in South Africa had looked at that, and a helicopter was worth 50 ground ambulances. Well, then you begin to say, look at something that has very high unit costs and say, oh, that's very expensive. But if we under, really understand those healthcare economics, we're like, this is actually a very cost-effective way to deliver strategy. So if we can figure that out, if the, re, the people doing the research, very efficient operations, 100% reliable, huge growth opportunities. And then obviously the other growth opportunities in new technologies that can reduce costs, reduce noise, reduce carbon footprints, uh, reduce energy use. Those all become really important uh, as well in delivering cost-effective strategies for healthcare. Are you, Tom, are you, um, is Life Flight uh, of Maine a 24-hour operation? And, or is, is that something? Yeah, 24-hour operations, all, all IFR, all NVG, we're working similar to our colleagues with Rega, um, working on a 100% reliable system, performance base, you know, down to 0.3, performance navigation that'll eventually get down to 0.1. Uh, very precise routes, you know, we cover a huge patch, um, uh, precision routes, low altitude, all of those things get the helicopters out of icing to make this ever incrementally. And then, you know, the gold, Metal, the gold star is FIPS and a light twin engine, light single engine aircraft. We get there. And I think the technologies, you know, we've seen Rega, you know, say we're not going to get there quite there with Leonardo. But there's other technologies evolving that will get us there. And once we do that, if we can deliver these things at the point of need, we can change health calcs in a way that that makes this makes the, the cost argument a completely different argument. And I think that that's, you know, certainly they got work and we have huge admiration for Babcock, the, the work that they're doing. And our colleagues in Wales looking at these kinds of things, I think we're, we're making progress and we need to make that, we need to make the story clearer 
um, for policymakers and purchasers. Yeah. Rema, um, so Camille uh, in the previous segment was talking about the, the zero-sum game uh, and or the zero-sum situation between military and civil and the impact that the current geopolitical um, uh, situation might put on uh, um, might have on the on the HEMS sector in Europe. I mean, do you feel that as a as a challenge uh, moving forward? And you know, can you enlighten us in terms of what you feel the biggest challenges are going to be for Babcock in 2023 and, and beyond? Okay, the big challenges, and Thomas has, has uh, said before, yeah, as one of the key points for growing uh, is one of the, our challenges that it is the, the investment, okay, the investment, because after the, the pandemic, uh, okay, um, all, all the customers uh, are aware uh, about the service they want in terms of benefit, excellence, technological advance, okay, but the price they paid for, for the services uh, in many cases does, does not correspond to the real cost, okay, for the result. For this reason, um, there is a, a commercial work, okay? It's extremely important, both internally in each country and, and the knowledge of the international market. And this is one of the reasons I think this kind of, of uh, meetings are, are very useful uh, because we, we have to achieve an agreement, okay, between the provision of the service and the revenues that uh, makes economically sustainable in terms of profitability for the companies, okay? Okay. Uh, All the customers want uh, every day a more sophisticated service, okay, but they don't pay for it. So it is very difficult, okay, because the, the, the technology exists, uh, the, the, the trainings exist, uh, the skilled people exist in the world, okay, but w sometimes we uh, have to offer reduce uh, excellence services. Just to 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 be in line with the with the with the revenues that the with the budgets that the customer has. So I think for for Baco Spain and Portugal, for example, uh, regarding that you you were talking about the the night Google vision, okay, for the night operation. But for example, in Spain, in the EMS market between Spain and Portugal, okay. We have around 100, 100, uh, 100 uh, aircrafts, okay, between rotary and fixed wing. And only, uh, I think, uh, 10, 10 of them operates 24 hours. And only two of them, two of 100 aircrafts, operates with night Google glasses, okay? So we have a, a, a large, okay, way to 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 pursue and we have to continue working with the customer, educating the customer. Population wants to live more and more and everybody wants to be assisted when, when a, an incident happens and, and the governments and the administration ha has to be ready okay, to, to perform this, this kind of services. Uh, in, in other terms, for example, we are working in in uh, in the one of the innovation points that we are working for in in the coming years is the simulation. Okay, because the the technology uh, advance okay very fast. Uh, the technology inside the helicopters regarding the electro electromedical devices, but one of the key points to to continue growing and to optimizing maybe that cost effective. Uh, reduction just to 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 get better better services with a um, with a lower uh, budget is uh, is based on the training. Okay, 
we have um, we, we are working on different simulators, okay, with uh, real real fuselage of aircrafts or, or virtual, and we are working with not not only with uh, some medical device inside, okay, uh, an helicopter frame, okay, or mock-up, okay, just to to train uh, the medical staff both in in clinical uh, procedures and aeronautical procedures, okay. And we are now working in merge, okay, the the mix uh, reality, virtual virtual reality, and, and and augmented reality, just to provide a quickly quickly trainings, okay, and uh, less less cost uh, trainings, uh, but to provide a, an excellent services and an and excellence uh, professionals to 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 those services. So I think. Uh, this is uh, this is the, the 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 two lines, okay, to continue in in the in, in to get uh, uh, very skilled people, okay, to provide the better services because customers and population and countries are requesting best service every every day, and on the other hand, just to to try to convince all, all the investors and all the all the the customers, governments, administrations, just to to pay, okay, a, a just price for for those services. Yeah, and I think that I mean I would say you know maybe get the challenges into th- sort of three buckets, and I, I would echo that. I think the first challenge is that technology is moving much faster than policy and regulation, and so we and that's leading to increased fragmentation in policy, which increases the cost of operations without benefit. And so, really find finding ways to incorporate technologies, especially that make things more efficient is a real need. And that's a, a huge challenge in the regulatory and policymaking community because it comes back to investment. In the, in the United States, certainly the ability to price uh, this, this open market here for pricing is gone. And so the, we're going to see flattening. Over, um, we're going to see essentially a national fee schedule at a much lower uh, rate of, of income than than many of the providers have been uh, used to, which if they can't then reduce their costs, they're going to have significant problems. And so revenue is flattening and going down, policy is fragmented, and then costs are going up. The workforce costs, the uh, competition for aviation workforce, the younger clinician workforce that we need to rapidly through augmented reality, virtual new ways of training to bring them to, to fruition, the cost of energy, um, the supply chain, and then uh, the aviation insurance is a huge issue because it's a single market, right? So, you know, the war in Ukraine has affected helicopter insurance, right? Not because of war crashed helicopters, but because they're stranded assets all over, all over Russia. And, but that's one, you know, it's one insurance market, you know, so those things are the increasing costs, decreasing revenue, and we need to make the case for policymakers about how investments get made and then fragmentation in policy and the slow adaptation of technology, I would say, are the three big challenge buckets. Well, hey, I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of all the viewers here. We, we could go on uh, and uh, dedicate another hour or more. Uh, and I really appreciate uh, both of your uh, very insightful comments. Thank you very much. Gemma Martin. Del Burgo from Babcock and Thomas Judge from Life Flight of Maine. Um, 
successful HEMS landscape uh, is all about the symbiosis between heli manufacturer, interior manufacturer, and medical operator. To talk to us about the EMS interior segment, I'm delighted to introduce Thomas Redder, a VP International Sales at Spectrum Aeromed, and Aaron Toher, Product Manager at Bucher Group. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good morning, wherever you are. There you go. So, um, hey, uh, everybody knows uh, Bucher and, um, and Spectrum, so I think we'll skip the company introduction. Um, but uh, g give us your take on uh, the EMS interior market, uh, whichever way you want to do it, regionally uh, or whichever other way. Thomas? Yeah, if, if I start, I mean, um, we see quite mature, highly developed um, HEMS marketing, mainly in Northern Europe um, and Central Europe, with high specialized, dedicated helicopter interiors, um, very similar to what we see in US. Um, Southern Europe is, as Gema already explained, a little bit simpler systems, but um, progressing towards the same standards. Um, And then from, from, from my territory, I'm responsible for Europe and Asia. There's a lot of developing countries where um, we start from a very simple low standard and are progressing now towards higher standards and copying the Central Europe or Northern American um, system. Uh, from my perspective, we're on a very similar... I'm going to end up echoing a lot of what Thomas and Hema said earlier about the European market, but I'd also like to point out that there's extensive customization and different mission profiles and different methodologies and the thought processes based on country by country basis. If we look at the German, which is the German market, which is at this point a very developed market, and also and compare it say now to the UK market, which is a little more fragmented due to its charity based system, mm -hmm. and Then if we look at the Swedish market, where there's a lower population density and longer flight profiles, all these people require different mission profiles and different mission equipment. Are, are you concerned about um, government increasing budget for uh, military uh, or increasing military expenditure uh, to the detri potential detriment of HEMS? Uh, is that a constraint on growth? And generally, where do you see growth opportunities uh, down the line? Uh, Aaron, you want to start? Yeah, sure. As far as the military goes, uh, what we've seen is that there's, there's murmurings regarding more flexibility for multi-purpose helicopters, which can be transferred from their dedicated military role over to a, a more flexible role rather quickly, whether it be Hemden's temporary HIMSS installations with military crews for disaster management, or whether it's to fulfill government contracts which aren't able to be filled by HEMS crews due to unforeseen circumstances. Of course, this is also interesting for the a lot of leasing people because the flexibility of shorter-term contracts with flexible installations in order to not actually permanently affect a helicopter. So I am, well, here in Booker, we're not terribly worried about it at the moment. We, yeah, we're okay at this side. Thomas? Uh, we, we actually do not differentiate that much between a private HEMS operator or military HEMS operator. Um, they provide a platform where we install our systems and actually um, we see demands and we have growth in the military um, sector too. Um, I understand that um, this might 
come out of different budget and Ministry of Health might not spend an additional new equipment. This is discussions we have. But for us at Spectrum, we can um, we are not worried about it because we can substitute it by military contracts. Thanks. And hey, I apologize. Uh, you're getting a little bit squeezed uh, at the top of the hour. We're trying to keep the town hall within a, a 50, uh, 60 minute um, time frame. But uh, if you could, uh, we heard about a lot of in innovations from Rema and from Tom. Uh, if you can give us your view on, you know, what the most, uh, I don't know, top three most interesting innovations in the EMS interior world uh, in 2023. Uh, Thomas? I mean, Rema and, and Tom mentioned already night flight and um, what I want to, I don't want to focus that much on this topic, but what we see is the advancement of the medical units that can be taken on board, um, medical apparatus that were big and complex and heavy are now small to the size of a shoebox. Um, which allows for new medical treatments. And I'm talking about ECMO and hard lung machines. Um, and, and, and this requires additional um, liquid oxygen, for example, is another option where we see um, the, 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 the level of care that is available in a helicopter now is almost identical to what was available in a, in a hospital. And, and, and those are trends where we need to adjust to make those new devices um, a possibility in, in a helicopter. Aaron? I would largely echo that, in that the development of medical products has pushed further and faster than we imagined with lighter weight products, with higher capabilities coming on market all the time. The Additionally, I think uh, Thomas and him also mentioned that the, the telemedicine side of things I know what Sweden is doing with the, I forget the name of the company, but with, I've seen this over in AirMed in Salzburg, the portable MRI machine. That's a game changer also in regards to telemedicine and having doctors on hand with trained paramedics able to perform procedures outside and away from existing infrastructure. Should uh, I heard about a company in the US, I, I won't name it, but uh, that's doing uh, low cost EMS interior. I mean, is this a, a market segment that, should be should see more actors are you guys looking into lighter sort of lower cost lower priced uh, uh commercializing lighter lower cost uh, ems interiors i mean from from our side we haven't we have a new system which i don't know i don't i don't advertise too heavily here but we have a system now which covers that sort of basis because we've seen if you if especially if we look at emerging markets they're not looking for the full German heavy, de heavily dedicated system that we have, which is our main focus typically. And so we're starting to move more over to the flexible systems with lighter weight solutions. I think, yeah, there's substantially lighter weights at this point. We at Spectrum, we actually um, build on a modular system um, where you, and if you want, you just take the stretcher and install the stretcher as a beginning. And it's mainly used in developing countries. Um, I agree with Aaron. But it helps them to grow to a more sophisticated interior. And, and that's actually a growth we see at the moment where customers say, well, we need more than what we have in the beginning. And, and especially in those developing countries, I have a lot of conversations where medical crew tell us, do something. And if it's a simpler cost, lower cost, simpler system, it's better than just strapping a litter with 
cargo straps on the aircraft floor. So we're trying to support them and then grow them. I think both ourselves and Spectrum both have solutions with a, you have a plant solution with a one install with oxygen systems and spaces for electrical systems. And we've got a different methodology, but the same idea is that you can modulize and increase capabilities as time goes on or budget increases. Thank you. Well, hey, unfortunately, we're just about out of time, uh, but thank you very much for uh, your inputs. And Thomas Reda from uh, Spectrum Aeromed and Aaron Togger from Bucher Group. Uh, and now to talk to us about the state of the pre-owned EMS market, uh, I'm delighted to introduce William Sturm, Vice President of AeroAsset. Willie, what's happening in the pre-owned twin engine markets Hey, Emmanuel, how you doing? Um, yeah, happy to give you a quick uh, rundown as I know we're running a bit long today. But uh, um, for any of our viewers joining us today, uh, who is their first time, um, in addition to trading helicopters, aero asset tracks what it sees in the pre-owned helicopter markets. So we publish a periodic report called Heli Market Trends, and I really encourage you all to uh, sign up for it. So today we'll be reviewing uh, year-to-date data. Um, and I'll pull up that slide now. Um, on the top half of this slide, you can see retail sales, absorption rate, supply for sale, and deal pipeline for 2022 year-to-date versus the same period in 2021. So year-over-year, year, uh, transaction volume has slipped about 20%. Um, supply for sale shrunk in terms of units and dollar value. Uh, the deal pipeline, which is the number of pre-owned twin heli sales pending at various stages of transaction is actually up 50%. Um, and absorption rate has dipped below the one-year mark. So that means that there's currently only 11 months of supply at current trade levels. And, and we've seen that uh, stay at that level throughout 2022. So, so big picture view as we're closing out 2022, um, the retail market is slowing down. Supplies at its lowest point since 2020 and um, absorption rate remains stable. So um, you can see these uh, uh, these figures, these KPIs at the bottom half of the slide with a more hist uh, historic view. Um, but again, uh, all these are on the HMT. So uh, I really encourage you to sign up and you can uh, look at it in greater detail there. Um, if we move on to our second slide. Um, you know, since today we're focusing on the EMS market, uh, I thought we could drill down a bit on supply uh, and transaction volume in the segment. So um, on the left-hand side, you can see year-to-date sales in red and the current supply in those markets uh, in blue. So the, uh, the 145 market is still red hot. It's uh, uh, nine pre-owned sales in either EMS configuration or uh, for EMS conversion uh, with a current year-to-date and um, current supply, there's only two EMS-configured ships available for sale. Um, the 135 is close behind with uh, 10 year-to-date EMS transactions and seven EMS-configured ships available for sale. Um, at the bottom of this page, uh, this side, uh, you can see the aggregate supply and absorption rate for the EMS segment. But the big takeaway is this uh, green, small green circle you see next to the absorption rate. Um, the absorption rate in the EMS market has dropped uh, 17 months uh, since this time last year. So to put that in perspective, it's about a 65% drop. Um, and as a result of 85% uh, year-on-year increase in sales, 
supply has decreased about 40%. So if we take a geographical look at it, um, just over 60% of the supply uh, in the EMS market is coming from Europe. Uh, it seems like uh, the strong dollar is attracting U.S. buyers to, to cross the pond to find quality aircraft. Um, really, Emmanuel, the, the EMS segment is, is just very dynamic at the moment. Yeah, well, we can definitely see that from the, the data points you're presenting. Thank you. And um, I mean, it's the perfect bite-sized uh, taste of the market. Um, I'm curious, um, are EMS buyers open to buying machines that aren't uh, configured for their operation? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, after our last panel, they were talking about how each uh, each uh, country can be very specific, and um, you know, more often than not, it can cost more money to uh, to to make a an exi- a configuration that you buy uh, fit into your current operations. So, um, you know, in essence, uh, an Aerolite or a Stylens interior could be equally worthless to a a Buchler operator who's looking to buy. Um, so. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, where, where do you see supply coming uh, from in 2023? Well, outside of crypto investors that have gone bust, <laughs> um, I would be surprised to see if demand across all segments uh, doesn't start to soften at some point in 2023. Um, I tend to think uh, there's actually been machines coming from VIP owners. We're going to start to feel the pinch in the economy if it trends that direction. Well, that's that's just great news. Uh, well, th- thanks uh, for leaving it on such an up, uh, uh, such a such a positive note. Um, <laughs> the real positive note is that everybody gets to come to Madrid for European Rotors next year, which is where I'm living now. So I look forward to seeing you all there. Look forward to see you as well. <laughs> And uh, thank you very much to Heli Investor. We've gone just a little bit of. Uh, north of the top of the hour. But thank you to Heli Investor for uh, allowing us to host uh, this town hall for um, to all our speakers for attending and uh, all uh, this, uh, the visitors uh, today. And we sorry for the little technical glitch at the beginning. We'll try to do better next time. Have a great uh, day, uh, morning, evening, wherever you are. Thank you. Bye-bye.